Well, good morning. It is May the 3rd, 2020, and this is the next Bible class in the pandemic series in which we are going through the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, which may be appropriate that these books were written while Paul was in a form of confinement or on quarantine or in jail, uh, and we get a chance to read these books together while we are in a a form of quarantine or in our homes this morning. My name is Bob Lawrence. I'm one of the Bible class teachers at the Anchorage Church of Christ. And today we're going to be finishing out 2 Timothy. So take a Bible, turn to the letter of 2 Timothy, and today we'll finish out that book by reading through chapter 4. Now, before we begin, I wanted to say thank you to a group of people um, who have sent emails and letters and let me know that, that you have been uh, participating in these Bible studies uh, during the time where we cannot meet face-to-face. Uh, many of you are still getting online and, and reading this text together and discussing it in your families, and I really appreciate the time that you've taken to send a note or an email. I've gotten those emails from uh, Danny Elmore, who uh, almost every week has sent an encouraging note about the, uh, the lesson. Uh, congratulations, by the way, on the new addition to your family. Thanks to uh, Marilyn and Jerry Jones for your email and your encouragement. And uh, and then I've gotten some uh, written letters as well. And these are extra special. This is a, a card that I got from Vernita and David Wallace. And Vernita, I'm pretty sure this is your handwriting. Uh, and and we'll still give David credit, though, uh, for signing the letter. But that meant a lot to me to get a, a handwritten note from you. And here's another special card that I got from uh, Paul and Devin Hewlett. Uh, and it's a card that they made. Look at that. And they're, I'm pretty sure their kids participated in this because uh, Ren and June signed here at the bottom. And then they, they wrote hi <laughs> there and thinking of you and said they appreciated the lessons. And that, that means a lot to me because we're, uh, we're studying a book that is, in reality, it's a letter. It's, it's just like one of these letters in which Paul took time to take out his pen and write on a parchment a very personal letter to his uh, adopted son, Timothy. And we get a chance to read that letter today. It's like opening someone else's mail and seeing uh, what Paul was thinking. What was on his heart just uh, a short time before he died or was killed there in Rome? Uh, And what did he say to a young man that he had taught how to be a minister, and how to proclaim the good news about Jesus. What what were the things that Paul was saying to him? And so we get a chance to read that, and that's this book of 2 Timothy. Uh, and I, in a sense, uh, feel a little of that same encouragement that Timothy must have felt when he got a letter from his mentor, from someone who was encouraging him. And I feel that same way when I when I get a letter too. And you know, in, in putting these lessons together, uh, it has struck me just how much work goes into publishing something uh, in order to broadcast it, whether it's on TV or the internet. Uh, you know, we download now without even thinking about it, almost taking for granted that I can download a um, a video or a news broadcast or uh, even a, a lesson of some kind in fact, our kids are all learning now, you know, online. And I take it for granted that I can just download that lesson and watch that lesson. 
without really thinking about how much work went into putting that lesson together. But I have so much respect now for those of you who understand this world of broadcasting, of, of videoing, of editing, and then uploading that video for others to use. But I tell you, there is a scary moment when once everything's edited and we, we hit that upload button and it is published online. And now it's out there. There's no taking it back. Everyone, everyone can now view it. And that's a scary moment when you realize that something important that, uh, that, that, I, that has been important to me, that I've studied, that I want to share, but there's a moment at which I can't take it back because it is now passed on uh, to other people. Well, that's, that's also a privilege. You know, it's a scary thing to be able to do, but it's also an incredible privilege to live in a, a day and time when I can do that and upload a uh, message or a lesson, and then you get to watch that. Now, you realize that you right now are not listening to me. Now, that might seem strange, and I'm looking in the camera and trying to personalize this as much as I can, but I, I recognize that at the end of the day, you are actually receiving this message from a computer screen, or maybe on your TV if it's broadcast there. You're not receiving it personally from me. I've passed it on to an electronic messenger who is now passing this message as accurately as possible on to you. And you realize that's not, that's not something new. For as long as mankind has published works and passed them on to others, they have used this form of what was called a herald, or someone who would take that message and who would officially, as accurately uh, as possible, pass that message on to the intended audience. In fact, if you go way back, even into the first time that literature was being produced, uh, in those poems of Homer's Iliad and Odyssey, one of the most important uh, people in his uh, poems was this person that was called the Kerux, and that was the herald. That was the name of the official person who was given the message to pass on to others. And that term uh, caught on. And so that was the name given to the official herald in a court or under the leadership of any of the rulers that they would each within their, um, their official offices have someone who is designated as the Kerux or the herald. And if a message needed to get out to the community, then that message would be given to the Kerux. And the Kerux would go out and read that message to others. The Kerux does not go out and give uh, their own opinion. Uh, they do not editorialize. They simply read the message as it was, as it was given to them. Uh, in some cases, that herald could be uh, someone who walks into the marketplace to advertise some new item. Uh, but again, they wouldn't just give their opinion about the item. They would read the script, exactly the message that they were given uh, to pass on. Or if there was an important announcement to give for an entire community, then the officials would designate a single person called the Kerux to go out, and the verb there is Keruso, uh, uh, which means I herald or I broadcast the message. And so the Kerux would uh, broadcast this message to uh, the entire community if it was an, an important message. Well, the reason I introduce you to that term is because it's so important for understanding what Paul says to Timothy in this last, this last chapter 
and I'd like to read that uh, together. And then in the midst of this, see if you don't catch where Paul tells Timothy, uh, you are this messenger, this carex. Well, Second <clears throat> uh, Timothy chapter 4 begins with Paul saying, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. And that term, I give you this charge, is uh, is almost a, a legal terminology. We, we might say today that I, I give you this subpoena to appear in court and to testify. And so that's what Paul's saying to Timothy, is I, I, I call you now to testify in the very sight of God and of Jesus Christ. And then he says this, here's my charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Well, I'd like to focus for just a few minutes on that phrase, preach the word. Uh, I don't know what comes to mind for you when you think of that phrase, preach the word. What does it mean to preach or what does it mean to preach the word? When I when I hear that phrase, it's almost like a, a bumper sticker that I, w- I would see on the, the bumper of a, a preacher, you know, of any congregation. Uh, yeah, because what comes to mind for me is just that, our preachers that I grew up hearing. I can still, you know, close my eyes and and remember being a young child sitting there in church and seeing the preacher dressed three three piece suit even uh, sometimes with a Bible held high and and preaching the word and so that's the image that comes to mind. I can remember at my grandmother's house sitting around the radio even on Sunday nights and listening to a preacher answer questions and give a message over the radio and 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 so when I think of preaching the word, I hear that. I, my mind goes to other places in the world where I've seen um, uh, uh, ministers who stand up in congregations uh, throughout the world and will preach in different languages even. And I can hear, I can hear their, their voices as they're sharing this message. But you know, for me, when, when I think of someone preaching the word, in almost every case, the image that comes to mind involves a church building. And it involves usually a minister within that congregation, standing behind a pulpit uh, and giving some message. Well, I think it's important uh, in understanding what Paul was writing to Timothy for us to take that phrase, preach the word, uh, which in some ways is is like an heirloom that we've had for a long time. And it's developed this, uh, this tarnish or this other color over time. And I think it's important for us to, if I can, shine that off a little bit and show you in its brilliant color what Paul meant when he first wrote this phrase to Timothy, preach the word. Well, the first part of this that's helpful to understand is what did he mean by word? When Paul said preach the word, he actually says here, preach the logos. Logos is, of course, that Greek word, which means word. But here, the term word does not mean just one word. It actually means a particular message. And that phrase, the word, took on an incredibly special meaning for those early Christians. And you'll see that throughout the New Testament, uh, where John even refers to Jesus as the word. 
and you'll, you'll hear Peter in his sermons talk about the Word of God, and Paul constantly referring to this idea of the, the Word of God, sometimes referring to Jesus himself, and other times referring to the overarching message of Jesus as the promised one who was coming to make the world uh, right again. And so when Paul uses this term, word, and he tells Timothy, preach the word, it's important to think about what does he mean by, uh, by that phrase, the word. And so let me give you some examples of where this comes up, even in this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. Remember, as a letter, this really should be read from the very first line all the way to the end so that you catch the nuances and the, the endearing message that Paul gives to Timothy that is, that is woven into this personal uh, message, which is, which is a letter. So it's meant to be read from start to finish. I hope you'll take time to do that. And as you do, you'll notice that by the time Paul gets here to chapter 4 and says, preach the word, he's already laid down what that, what that means. So if you roll back or go back to chapter 1, you'll notice that in the, be- the beginning of the book, Paul begins by saying, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. So he, he starts the letter off saying, do not be ashamed of the message and don't be ashamed of the messenger. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel. And there's the, the word, the evangelion, the message of good news, which was that announcement that we have won. And, uh, and Paul says, uh, don't be ashamed of that message, which is through the power of God. And then he goes on to say, God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. And now you're hearing the sermon that you will hear over and over again throughout uh, the entire early period of Christianity. Here's the message that uh, grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. And the word Christ there is Messiah, which is the term for that righteous one who would, who would break forth into history and, and make the world right again after it had fallen. And so at the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life or to light through the good news or the gospel. And of this good news or gospel, I was appointed, and Paul uses the term here, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And you know the word he used there for herald is that word kerux, in which Paul says, that's what I was appointed uh, to be. What you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. And so that was in chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, Paul says again, And these things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. To teach what? Well, it's to teach this message, this good news that the world had gone terribly wrong, but through a group of people, 
uh, through the, the Hebrews, the Israelites, God brings through uh, them a man, Jesus, who is made the Christ or the Messiah who makes the world uh, right again. And that that's been the plan from the beginning. <clears throat> Remember, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. And then Paul says, this is my gospel. The word gospel there means good news for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. And then Paul says, but God's word, again, that logos, is not chained. So do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. You'll remember that week when we said that means uh, present yourself as dokimon to God, as that, that coin that is, that is tested and proven to be true. That's the way you present yourself to God as a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth, the logos of truth. And so he refers here again to the word. But as for you, now we're in chapter 3, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. And so Paul brings in here this reminder of those scriptures of the temple the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And here Paul makes that connection, which, as you read through the New Testament, you'll see made over and over and over again that through the Holy Scriptures, uh, we are introduced to the Savior of the world, who is Christ Jesus. Um, If if you go back and look at some of those early sermons that are recorded in the book of Acts, you'll see this written out in much more detail, where Peter, speaking to a crowd, will take people through their history and say that, uh, that it, is, it is these scriptures that have pointed us towards Jesus, and now he is the one uh, who has appeared. Uh, or later, when Stephen, standing before the... Uh, the Pharisees uh, gives this message, and you can read that entire sermon. It's uh, there at the end of Acts chapter 6 and then through Acts chapter 7. And there, Stephen just about reviews the entire Old Testament in which he takes them back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and talks about the promise that was given to Abraham and then how the Israelites are taken into Egypt and they're taken into captivity. And then God raises up a prophet for them named Moses and Moses leads them you know, out of Egypt. But he says, one day God will send a prophet like me who will make everything you know, right again. And then the people make it through the wilderness and they build a tabernacle in which to worship God. But they uh, finally, uh, uh, once David comes along, uh, God's tabernacle is then planned to be an actual house. And so it's David's son, of course, who builds the the temple there in Jerusalem. And then after that come the prophets. And Stephen, there speaking to the people, says, the prophets have constantly told you about this coming Christ, and yet you did not listen to them. You killed them. And not only did you kill the people that predicted the coming of the Messiah or the righteous one, when the righteous one appeared, you killed him too. But God raises him from the dead. Of course, they are angered by that, and they... uh, and they drag Stephen out, and they stone him. And standing there, giving his approval to that stoning, was, was the young man, 
Saul. And what's amazing about that story is that may have been the first time that Saul actually heard that entire sermon, that entire message. And now at the end of his life, after all of these years, you have Paul sitting in a prison cell in Rome and he takes out his pen and in writing this uh, message to Timothy, he says to Timothy, preach the word. And that phrase, the word, meant that sermon that Paul had heard so many years ago, Stephen preached there from the beginning. In other words, that was, that was the message. So when Paul tells Timothy, uh, I charge you in the sight of God, in the view of God, to preach the word, he's saying, Timothy, I'm handing to you the message that I first heard preached by another young man that we stoned so many years ago. And it's that message in which all of those holy scriptures that you have heard pointed to Jesus as the one who will make the world right again by becoming the savior of the world. And so Paul, in a sense, hands that baton to Timothy, uh, which which was handed to him for the first time when he, as an enemy of Christianity, first heard that message uh, given by Stephen. And of course, you'll remember after that is when Paul ended up uh, being converted by the Lord himself and meeting the Lord on the road to Damascus. Well, that's the first part of this phrase, preach the word. I wanted to make sure that you understood uh, the meaning of uh, the word. And that is this message of, of the gospel, good news, that God is making the world right again. And he's doing so one person at a time uh, through the powerful uh, work of, of Jesus. Now, uh, what does it mean to preach the word? Do you know what that word preach is? Uh, when Paul writes to Timothy and says, I charge you in the sight of God to preach the word. That word preach is the word keruso. It means to be the herald. So just as we said uh, before, that there was an official duty in the ancient world for a person to take a message that was given to them, and then pass that message on uh, to the world. That's what your computer screen is right now. That's what your uh, TV screen is. It is acting as the messenger that takes what I have uploaded and it passes it on to you. And Paul and uses the ancient version of that word for Timothy. And he says, Timothy, God has uploaded to you the message that is to be presented, not with commentary, not with your own editorializing, but rather it is to be presented just as it has been given to you. And that's what Paul means when he says, Timothy, preach the word. He's saying broadcast the word. So the image that would come to Paul's mind is not necessarily a one of uh, a person standing in a pulpit or in a church building. Uh, Certainly that's included in preaching the word, but it was so much more. And so what came to mind for Paul when he's writing this to Timothy is the image of a young man, Timothy, wherever he was, being this herald who is passing on this message that God is making the world right again uh, through, through Jesus Christ. And, and so that's why he says to Timothy, as you see in the following verse, uh, you be prepared. 
both in season and out of season. The word in season there says when the time is good. So the word is actually good time and bad time. And so he says, whether it's a good time or a bad time, you preach the word. And then he goes on to say, uh, in your preaching, you correct, rebuke, and encourage. The first word there is sort of a negative term. To correct means to uh, call somebody on the carpet for doing something wrong and make it right again. So to actually charge a person for doing wrong. The middle term there is one that could be good, could be bad. The idea of rebuke is to say, Let's uh, let's make things right again. And then the final word there, encourage, is the word parakaleo, which means uh, call people to stand alongside. So Paul's telling Timothy whether the message has to be uh, negative, whether it's uh, neutral but moving in the right direction, or if it's a positive message, doesn't matter. You call someone to stand alongside you. Uh, you be the kerux, be the herald who gives this message of life, that Christ has come back from the dead and and he is the, the first one to do so because the rest of us are being made like him to live forever. And then uh, Paul goes on to tell Timothy that there's a time that will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Uh, or this version says, A time will come when men will not uh, put up with sound teaching. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Uh, That term myth would be a reference to the uh, what you've heard about as the old Greek myths. You remember when Paul and Barnabas were uh, in Timothy's hometown, and they had first showed up, and they healed the man, and the the town came out, and they said they were going to worship Barnabas, and called him Zeus, and they called Paul Hermes, uh, and, and Paul and Barnabas tore their clothes and said, no, this can't happen. Um, Paul was living in a time when people would still turn to these explanations of what was true but their explanations would not be true. And Paul says there's going to be a time when people uh, when people will just listen to what they want to hear and they'll come up with explanations for what is true. Uh, but in reality, their explanations will not be what is real or what is true. Um, there's a visual version of this that's uh, called an optical illusion. And there are many examples of this, but let me put one up on the screen. Um, look at this image for just a moment and, and, and then pick out. You'll notice that the two pictures are taken from uh, what appears to be slightly different perspectives. And this is, of course, a picture of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Um, and then just, just quickly, tell me which perspective shows you the Tower of Pisa leaning a little more than the other one. So you'll notice that the Leaning Tower of Pisa in one of the photos seems to be leaning a little more than the other one. Is it the right one? Do you see how it's leaning a little more because your perspective seems to be a little bit different? Now, would it surprise you if I told you this is actually two copies of the very same photo? There's no difference between the two, and there's no, uh, no tricks played. It's just that when your eye looks at both pictures, your brain assumes that two buildings in parallel should join somewhere uh, 
you know, up in, up in space. And that's a principle of basic perspective. That's the way your brain is wired. But I'm able to make it appear that one of those towers is leaning a little more than the other because of uh, this way that your brain is wired. Well, experts call this a form of cognitive bias, meaning that you, you many times will only see what you want to see. And what Paul says here in this text is that's also true of teaching, that oftentimes people will only hear what they want to hear. Now, marketers know this for sure, and, uh, and even uh, people who program your search engines know this. So that, you know, the word or the subject that you've looked for, uh, those are going to be specially selected just for you because those people who are programming and marketers know that what you really want to hear is only what you want to hear. <laughs> and Paul says that's true, of, that's true of the good news, is that there will be a time when people will surround themselves, when it comes to talking about uh, what is real and what is true about this world, about how this world got here, about what has made the world go so terribly wrong, and when people talk about what is true about how the God who made this world will make the world right again, people will not listen to what is true, but instead they will uh, come up with alternate explanations for why we are here, alternate explanations for why things have gone terribly wrong, and alternate explanations about what the future really, really holds. And Paul says that time's going to come when there will not just be an optical illusion, but there will be a cognitive bias uh, towards what is, what, is, what is true. And your only way to combat that, Paul tells Timothy, is you, as a herald, broadcast the word. Your job is to uh, publish, to present what has been published in you. And so again, it's that image that God has put together the message. He has uploaded it into uh, his special messengers. And he has said, now it's your turn to go out into the public marketplace, uh, into your place of work, into your school, uh, to go into your community, into your neighborhood, maybe today, even in your family. And it's your job to broadcast the word. Well, before we get to uh, maybe a final discussion point, let me just read the rest of the letter. And uh, what I'd like for you to catch in the rest of this letter is just that personal flavor of how Paul, in an endearing way, uh, finishes out this letter to Timothy. And it might help you, just to catch the tone of this, it might help you to know that this may be the very last words that that we have a recording of Paul ever writing. So they're in prison, not long before he is taken to his execution. Paul finishes this letter by writing these words, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. 
Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loves this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Cretans, who has gone to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent uh, Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal metal worker, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him, because he strongly opposed our message. At my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus, Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Pudens and Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. And those are the final words that Paul wrote to Timothy. Well, before we close... uh, Let me encourage you in your time with your family uh, today uh, to reflect on these words that Paul leaves with Timothy. Maybe scan back through the book and see Paul's description of this message that uh, Christ is the Savior of the world. And then reflect on how Paul writes to Timothy and says, Timothy, you are the one who will broadcast that message. And then think about how you are like Timothy. There's a sense in which those of you who are followers of Christ, you are a kerux, you are a herald, and God has uploaded the message to you. Now, not everyone is uh, a herald in the same way, but I suspect that you have have a form in which uh, you, carrying this message, can broadcast it to others. So spend some time today in the close of uh, the class time Uh, discussing what is your form, Uh, where are those areas in your life, in your work, uh, at school, in your community, where uh, you are, in a sense, that computer screen or that TV screen into which God has uploaded his message and reflect on what that means in our time, whether it's a good season or a bad season, to broadcast the, the message. Well, may uh, God bless the reading of his word, our desire to put it into practice. And as Paul said, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace to you.